Um, Last week, we announced uh, some pretty significant changes uh, in kind of our our service schedule and what we're doing. And I want to kind of just give you a very quick overview of what that was about. I know some of you were here last week, some of you uh, weren't here, and so I want to make sure that you hear this. Um, We're committed as a church to fulfilling the Great Commission of making disciples uh, of Jesus Christ. And our way of saying that is connecting people to Jesus. That's kind of really what we're all about. And so we, over the last couple of years, have just kind of developed a vision around Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. And that vision is something like this. uh, As we faithfully wait for Jesus' return, which is what we're doing, we fervently anticipate, like this is something we really want to happen, God to use our gateway family to train and send out laborers into a harvest locally and globally. So guess what? We're, we're the laborers, okay? So we're gathered together today not just to hear some good music, and although I think it's some pretty good music, you know, so I think they did pretty good. Even the drummer is, is, uh, is, is on today, so it's a uh, good rhythm. Um, we didn't come for the coffee. I mean, Cam made it, so it's really not that great. So um, uh, we didn't come for the preaching. Obviously, that's, you know, I mean, I hope you didn't. I mean, you know, hopefully I don't let you down. But now, now, we want to do our best in all those areas. I'm kind of making fun of them. But, but the goal is not for us to just come and feel good experiences at church. Our job is to be trained to be disciples to go out into our local context. And for you, that could be for your family. That could be for your neighborhood. That could be for your workplace, your school setting, wherever. And maybe God sometimes calls people even to take it a step further and to go be, quote, unquote, a missionary somewhere else um, in the States, around the world. But our job as a church is to train you to be who God has called you to be. And over the last, I don't know, no, it's kind of been ongoing, but, but over the last, especially this summer, uh, really into spring, spring, summer, late spring, early summer, is we need to make some adjustments to how we're going about doing this. We've identified kind of four key components to our strategy. Uh, how do we go about connecting people to Jesus? Well, one is what we call know God. This is when we gather together for worship and for teaching and for prayer and just being together on a Sunday morning, that's what we do. But then we, call, we say live in community and that's the relationship piece. That's the uh, doing life together. And sometimes we're good at that, sometimes we're not so good at that. But this is our primary focus is in our community groups. Uh, we've got five different community groups that meet throughout the week for a variety of, either it could be fellowship and food, and but also sermon discussion or a Bible study and prayer, all good things. But also a part of our living in community is serving one another, and we want to continue to do that. But one of the things that I really got to just laid in my heart, that, that one area that we're not doing as well as we could, is what I call just like corporate community where we're all together. And it it frustrates me that we as a church are too big for one service, but too small, I'm sorry, too big, too big for one service, too small for two services. And it's been a frustration. Did I say that right? If I didn't, I think you got it. You figured it out, okay? Um, and, and we talked last week jokingly that, you know, you kind of have the, the first service people and the second service people, kind of, and, and none of the two shall meet. But, but we've, we, we've got relationships that do cross that, but we need to, to grow in that area. 
And then the third strategy is what we call just make disciples, where we're training men and women to be, in our young, from the youngest on, on the oldest, to be laborers in a harvest. And, and we just had this ongoing burden to do better at that, just to grow in that area and to build on what, what's been happening. And the fourth area would be what we call change the world. This is kind of that outward focus. So through our Gateway Cares ministry, through Gateway Global, we want to share the love of Jesus here locally and, and globally, and, and then we're growing in that particular area. So as we take a step back and say, how are we doing in that area, in all those areas, we have made the decision to, this fall, it was going to be September 10th, we have now moved it to September 17th, back one week, and I'll explain more about that in just a second here, but we've made some adjustments. So what we're going to do now is have a 9.15, what time? 9.15 discipleship hour, okay? We're going to then have a 10.30 worship service, what time? 10.30, okay, thank you. That's a little different, okay? So for some of you, okay, if you're gonna be a part of all this, you're like, wait, you want me to come here at 9.15? Yes, Rachel, 9.15. Am I allowed to call people out? I think I can. I'm in that mood today. Uh, 9.15 for discipleship hour. 10.30, worship, that means you're coming a half hour earlier if you're just coming to the worship. But I don't want you to just come to worship. I want you to come to the discipleship hour. And I want to take a moment to walk you through my rolled up document, uh, the document that really uh, gives an overview of why we're doing, or how we're gonna go about doing this. This replaces this, okay? We're putting this to rest. We're, uh, we've, uh, anytime uh, my, my dear friend Rachel designed this for us, and I can't tell you how many times I'm like, can you make this change? And we'd reprint. I don't know, why would we do like three or I don't know, however many. I said, forget that. I change things often enough. We're going to rely on the copier, okay, the printer here at church to make changes. Scott's shaking his head. Yes, uh, that does help us out financially a little bit better. But, but um, here's what we're doing. We have what was called a disciple-making pathway that moves somebody, our desire is to move somebody from being an unbeliever to being a disciple maker along a pathway where they, there's curious, interested in following Jesus, they become a believer, I'm committed to following Jesus, I'm beginning that, but then they take the steps to being a disciple with the goal of becoming a disciple maker. I, I shared some of that with you last week, but what I didn't share with you were some of the exact steps that the church is doing to help somebody move from one phase to the next. So here, I want you to see that uh, if, uh, you know, as we, as believers and disciples and disciple makers, we look at those in our, our circle of influence who are unbelievers, here's what we need to do to them. Love them. Jesus said, love God and love your neighbor. And so I put under love the neighbor there uh, three words, pray, serve, and invite. We want to pray for gospel conversations, serve them to remove the obstacles for gospel conversations, but then we invite them into our lives, into our church, and to our Jesus. Now I'm going to get super cheesy for a moment, but I had an aha moment yesterday. I was looking at this, and I'm an acronym kind of guy, and if you notice, it says, pray, serve, invite. What's the initials there? P-S-I. This is perfect. In order to love your neighbor, you got to put a little pressure on your neighbor. <laughs> Okay, you're going to remember it. It's so cheesy, you're going to remember it, right? Okay, but we need to, to pray for our neighbors. We need to serve our neighbors. We need to invite our neighbors, okay? Now, but to move somebody from being curious to being a believer, we're going to use a tool called Christianity Explored. Now, a number of our community groups uh, kind of 
taste tested that tool to varying degrees of interest and success. But the design of it is it's a seven week course that if somebody's exploring who's this Jesus guy and what's he all about, it's a perfect tool for that. I wanna point this out. I think we're gonna need this tool more and more in the future, because here's why. Our culture has moved farther and farther and farther away from anything to do with Christianity. And so as these young people start to grow up, they have no idea who Jesus is. We're kind of that foreign country that, that these young people have no idea. So we're going to need a tool like that in the future and, and continue to adjust it as, as we invite people to be curious about faith in Jesus. But the backside is really what I want to show you. Um, the majority of our focus as a church is going to be to move believers to becoming disciples. Okay, that, that's where I think most churches get stuck or people in churches get stuck because we don't tend to think of uh, making disciples, we tend to think about inviting consumers. We want consumers to come and be a part of the church like, oh, come, it's, we've got good air conditioning and good coffee and comfortable chairs and it just becomes a, who puts on the best show rather than others? But folks, no, no, we're, we're invited to be disciples, not believers. And so our job, again, is to train each one of us to be a disciple in order to be a disciple maker. So the way we're going to do that is, you'll notice there's some Bible reading plans. You're going to hear more about that in January, or in uh, the end of the year leading towards January. Some of us doing a variety of reading plans. But the next section there gives you an overview of what the discipleship hour is going to look like. So we're going to think quarterly, so beginning this September, October, November, to a few weeks here and there, depending on how we do this, is, uh, is going to think that's going to be that particular focus for that, that quarter, then go on to something else. Adults are going to be in here. Senior high is going to be studying something very similar over in the room over here, middle school, and our younger kids over there, all kind of focused on some of the same kinds of things. And the reason for that is because we want to train our young people to grow up to be adults, and over time, we want to offer more classes at the same time, but for now, all adults are going to be invited to take these particular classes. I know some of you are like, I've had this before, so what, come get it again. Okay, a class on how to study the Bible is good at any age, at any time, as often as you can. It's not going to hurt you in any way to come be a part of that. Then we're going to do a theology class and then some spiritual disciplines, and we're going to repeat it all over again next year and the next year. And, and we may change some things of this, but I just want you to see intentionality. I want you to see a plan in what we're doing there. Along the way, we're going to do some special focus classes uh, or, or groups, depending on how they do them. Caring for your body, managing your stuff, loving your spouse, and discipling your kids. These are special focus because not everybody needs those in the same way. So we're, we're doing that. Along the way, we're going to do some electives where we may just, hey, that's a great thing we need to study. Let's study that. Or we might do a seminar where just kind of a, on this particular week, uh, we're, you know, someone's going to teach on this particular topic, and we'll, we'll advertise those ahead of time. But that is for all of us to move from being just believers to disciples. But God has also called some of you to step forward and really say, you know what, I need to take that next step to grow, not only as a disciple, but a disciple maker. And so I'm not going to go into the details of the next section there, but I want you to see the start of a plan beginning in January. I'm going to lead um, what's called a disciple maker cohort, uh, is a group of folks through a discipleship thing for a whole year, high commitment. You're going to have to read books. 
Scott, read books. You know, that's, uh, you can, we can do this, okay? And we're going to study theology together. And then we're going to talk about leadership because disciple makers are leading other people. And then over time, uh, things like residencies and stuff down the road that, that we'll do more of that as time gets on. Can you hear the intentionality? Can you hear the seriousness of it? What does that mean for our community groups? One last thing, and then we're, we're going to just um, take just a few minutes and walk through uh, the Psalm 42 and 43 together this morning. But the role of community groups. Um, here's what we've said to our community group leaders. You can keep doing what you're doing. We're not forcing major change. But except that, um, we want you to focus on caring for each other through prayer and meeting each other's needs, but have some fun together. Maybe some of your groups are boring and they need to really have some more fun. So, so eat more, have more games. And like I'm, I'm actually, we're going to do, my, my group's been a little not fun enough. So we're going to start doing some games and things like that. So it's, that's what we're going to do. Because here's why. I want every single one of our community groups to be open doors for two kinds of people. One are the people in the church who are in community. So as I look out there, some of you don't have solid relationships within the church. Come on. Come on, be a part of this. This is what this is about. Or number two, it's those neighbors. So your community group could be a way for you to put pressure on your neighbor and loving them and inviting them into some relationship stuff. So community groups are going to focus more on community than content and um, invite neighbors and new people from Gateway. Now, I'm not going to take any Q&A today, but here's what I want to do. Open door if you have questions, concerns, like what are you talking about? Text me, email me, call me, and uh, I would love to walk you through any of this. But I wanted to just give you a quick overview as time goes on, and uh, we're recording that so we can put that online and go from there. So um, let me take a moment. I just want to pray over all of that. It's kind of an infomercial, kind of like, uh, was that an announcement or a sermon? Probably both. I don't know. But um, let's take a moment just as God's blessing on that. God, I was reminded, um, even in our conversation before the first service today, of Deuteronomy 29, 29, that says that, um, um, that your secret ways are unknown to us, but what is known, we're supposed to obey. And so, Lord, I, I confess that I just don't know the future about where all of this is going, but you told us to make disciples who are going to make disciples who are going to make disciples, and I just pray that we would do our very best at that. Lord, I pray for those in this room that maybe have a, just have seen church maybe a little differently, that this is stretching them a bit. God, encourage them, challenge them, invite them into um, growing as a, a believer to be a disciple, to be a disciple maker. And God, I just put the whole thing at your feet, just ask for your blessing, your help, your care, your wisdom as we make these changes. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. So, 17th, not the 10th. Let me tell you why. Your pastor forgot he's gone the 10th. <laughs> so uh, this knucklehead um, moved to Maine, and Amanda and I scheduled a little getaway, which yesterday was our 28th wedding anniversary, so we're going to go celebrate it in Boston. We were going we to fly into Boston, go visit him in Maine, but the job didn't work out up there. But uh, I... I Forgot I had tickets to Boston because he came back here. And so looking at the schedule, I was like, okay, I'm gone on the 10th. So we're going to still go. So uh, the 10th is going to be kind of a normal Sunday here. Uh, either Mike or Daryl's preacher, we're not sure. We've got to work that out. But then we're going to launch all of this on Sunday, September 17th. And so what time is discipleship hour? 9.15. So excited. And uh, worship service, what time? 
1030. Let's make it happen. All right, grab your Bibles. I want to walk you just uh, for a few minutes here. We'll, we'll get out uh, on time. Don't worry. Um, Psalm 42. I want to share with you um, Psalm 42 and 43 because most commentators would believe they're the same psalm. Somewhere along the way they got divided and you'll see why as we um, uh, walk through them together. There's three choruses, um, kind of the, the refrain that keeps coming up over and over again. Um, you're going to be familiar probably with these, the, these psalms, but when you put them all together, I want you to see a bigger picture than maybe you have seen uh, before. In fact, I'm going to skip ahead here to, hang on, I was going to read the whole psalm, but we're not going to do that. Um, psalm 42, verses 1 to 5, is the past. Verses 6 through 11 is the present, and then Psalm 43, 1 through 5, is the future. Uh, I stole an outline from D.A. Carson. He calls it the lost past, the troubled present, but the expectant future. And I want you to think for a moment, how often do we look to the past and we're like, man, I wish I was back there again. I wish that you know, things were, were better there. And then sometimes, maybe you don't, maybe you do, but then the, the troubled present, I think we could probably all list our troubles pretty easily, like some heavy things we're all dealing with. But the goal is an expectant future. And the whole focus is going to be hope. We're gonna walk away with a conversation about hope together today. So let's take a moment and look at the lost past. Um, I, this is not David writing, even though, in fact, um, if you go to the... Um, uh, some of your Bibles, they say, to the choir master, masculine of the sons of Korah. Um, it sure feels like David's writing it. I, for some reason, I'm picturing him. It's not him. It is, that's, that's not what we have recorded for us. But uh, the lost past, here's how it starts. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Let me pause there. Now, uh, if you're like me and you've grown up in church, uh, you when you hear "As the Deer Pants for Living," as the deer pants, you think of that nice song, "As the Deer." It just got that nice melody to it. I don't think that melody matches up with this psalm at all. Because as a deer pants for water, frankly, any animal that's panting for water is like, I'm dying, give me some water, right? So a number of years ago, before we had kids, Amanda and I uh, ran a 25K, it's a 15-mile run in, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and we were training for it. And it was one of our long, last long-distance runs, about 12 miles, I remember, and stupid us forgot to take water. And so we're finishing this, like I think there's a mile left, uh, and we, we, this big loop out into this kind of park, and then we came back, and we're, we're running through town, and I'm dying. I mean, literally, I think I'm dying. And I see the creek. The creek that runs through Grandville, Michigan. And I just decided, I'm dying. So I'm dying either way, so I jump in the water and I'm just like, you know, drinking in order to survive. I didn't get sick. I must have a good strong gut, but that water was not the cleanest and running right through the city. But, but, but desperate situations call for desperate measures. The 
psalmist here is desperate. As the deer pants for flowing streams, I'm panting for you, God. I, I'm, in fact, he calls, what, what's the name he gives God here? What's the, the adjective for God? Living God. I think in contrast, he, he thinks he's dying. Like, I'm dying, God's living. I need the living God. But what is he panting for? What's he desiring? He says, when shall I come and appear before God? He misses the presence of God. He misses the worship of God. He's like, when do I get to come be with you? Now, their view of worship is very different than ours in our, in our Western mindset. For them, it was the presence of God was when the God's people gathered together. For us, we're much more individualistic, okay? We'll, we'll put our, our, I was gonna say a DVD, but I don't own a DVD player. When we, when we stream music and worship, it's alone. We like this together, but he's saying, no, no, no. It's, it's I miss the presence with all of the guys, people, because here's what he says. Look in the next verse. Um, well, we'll get to the, hold on to that thought. I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Verse three says, my tears have been my food day and night. Um, are there times you're so distraught you can't eat? Now, I know that for most of us, usually it's the other way around. When we're so distraught, we do eat. But you can get so distraught, it's just tears. And he said that they become our food. Notice it says day and what? Night. It's all the time. That night's gonna come back up a little bit later on. But all the while I'm down, I'm crying, there's a drought going on, there's also these tormentors. While they say to me all the day long, ha, where's your God? I think that's what I feel like our culture is saying to us right now. Where is your God? That's gonna come back up a little bit later. But here's what he's lamenting. Here's the lost past. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how, how I, would, I would go with the throng and, and I would lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. I'm telling you what, there's, not, there's nothing more special than God's people getting together in worship. Whether it be a small, big, I don't know, two times stand out to me as just very special times. Um, when I was a youth pastor in Michigan, we took our youth group to some big youth event. I don't even remember the name of it. And I think it was in the Indianapolis Stadium, the Lucas Oil Stadium, I think, if I'm remembering right. Um, but I remember the number of 40,000 students and youth leaders singing together. It was powerful. But almost just as powerful was last year, um, Billy and Jen and I and um, Malia went down to, what did we go to? What was the name? It's not the Gospel Coalition. It's the uh, T for G, Together for the Gospel. And now, nothing against women. I like women's voices too. But there were uh, roughly, 12, there were about 12,000 of us, mostly men, pastors. And we were all seeing one guy just down on a keyboard, uh, the piano playing, and we sang hymns over and over again. And it was just like, I'm in heaven. Like, this is what heaven's like. Now, you may picture heaven to be something different, like Amy Grant or Michael W. Smith or something like that. But, but these, these hymns were just, it was powerful. So, so I think we all kind of have memories of times when I was in the presence of God with my brothers and sisters. That's what he's saying there. 
But now he, he just kind of pauses. And I think there's, he, he kind of just lets out all of his motions. But now, in verse 5, he's going to deal with truth. He's going to tell himself the truth. And I think that this is a good model for us. Let your emotions go, but there's times you got to come back to the truth. And I think we're going to see him do it three times. And I think the first time, he's doing it reluctantly. Second time, he gets a little more okay. And by the third time, he's actually excited about it a little bit. So this first time, why are you cast down, oh my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. It's the truth. No matter what is going on in your world, this statement of truth is a good reminder for us whenever we need it. So he's remembering it. So here's what I want you to do. Everybody put your hands out like this. Take a moment. I'll give you just a minute. I want you to give something from your past to the Lord right now. What is the spirit bringing to mind that you just need to pause, close your eyes and say, God, I give you this from my past. Take a moment and do that right now. Father, I'm thankful that you're a big sovereign God that can handle all this because there's a lot of stuff that we can bring. We can just lay it to you, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it, we just can give it to you. Even when we don't understand it, we're frustrated with it, or we're, we're longing for things that we have missed. We give it to you. Amen. Now, before we go on to the present, let me remind you that this, God, I give you the past, is an ongoing prayer. You can't take it back. <laughs> we do. Keep giving him the past. Whatever it is, good, bad, give him the past. But let's talk about the troubled present for a minute. We saw in first section kind of a metaphor of a drought. Here we're going to see a metaphor of a storm he does say, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, Hermon and from Mount Miser. He's not in Jerusalem. He's in a totally different place. And he's in, as he's in that place, he's remembering what's happening down in Jerusalem. And that's a storm for him. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. Not enough water, too much water. Both are problems, okay? But now he says, by day, remember what happened before? What, what, what was happening day and night earlier? Tears, day and night. Now, by day, the Lord commands his what? Steadfast love. So even in the storm, God's steadfast love doesn't go anywhere. God's love doesn't go anywhere. But that also means what is, what, what's our responsibility in the middle of the storms? And at what? Night, his song is with me. His song is with me is kind of a, a, a partnering with God. 
It's his song, but I'm singing to him. So, so my worship of God does not stop in the storm. It can't stop. His song's got to be there, even when there's the tears. And then it says, a prayer to the God of my life. So in the midst of storms, his love is steadfast, but our worship and prayer has to be there as well. That's, it's a picture of our commitment to him. And he recognizes, okay, I say to God, my rock. You would think the next statement's going to be, oh, you're a great God, you know, he's my rock. But what's he say? Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Brothers and sisters, let me remind you, God's character allows us to bring him anything. That opens the door for him, us to, to bring to him all of our struggles, all of our pain, all the difficulties of life, because he is the rock in a storm. In fact, he takes it a step further. As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. They say to me all day long, where is your God? He keeps bringing that up. I think he's got issues with that. He's concerned about what people are thinking. Where is your God? But now I think he's just a touch more confident. He says, okay, why, why are you cast down, oh, my soul? Why? Why are you in turmoil within me? Okay, soul, listen up here. Put your hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Hands out again. Take a moment. God, right now I give you my troubled present. Okay, what is it that you need to say? God, this very moment I'm giving this to you. Take a moment and do that right now. What are you giving him? God, in the midst of the storm, whatever that storm is, help me to worship you. I give you my pain, give you my suffering. We give it to you right now. Amen. Last section, the expected future. Look at what the psalmist does now. Vindicate me, O oh God. So he just went from that whole people saying, where's your God? He's like, okay, God, you take care of them. You vindicate me and defend my cause against an ungodly people from the deceitful and the unjust man deliver me. God, you, you take care of my enemies is what he's saying there. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. What they say before, he, he calls him a, a rock before. Now he says, you are the God in whom I take refuge. Again, should be a powerful worship moment. Instead, he's like, no. Okay, God, I, I'm taking refuge in you. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? Again, if you're struggling and mourning, give it to the Lord. He is the rock, he is the refuge, give it to him. But now what he says, we go from a drought 
to uh, a storm. Here now, almost like a search party. He says, send out your light and your what? Your truth, okay? The truth of God's word. They have a job to do. Their job is to come get us and take us to God. He said, and send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Where are they gonna lead? Let them bring me, just pull me along, Sometimes light and truth needs to do that, right? They pull us along, and where are they taking us? To your holy hill. What's the holy hill? That's Jerusalem. Okay, that's uh, Jerusalem. Take you to the holy hill and to your dwelling. What's the dwelling there? The temple. Okay, so now we've gone. He's up in Mount Hermon somewhere. Truth and light's dragging him to Jerusalem and to the temple. But then he says, and then I will go to the what? The altar of God the Holy of Holies. I'm gonna go where God's presence is alive and then I'm gonna do what? I'm gonna recognize to God my exceeding what? Joy. Wait, what, what did we just look at two verses earlier? From mourning to joy. And I'm gonna praise you with the lyre, some sort of musical instrument. Like we're gonna get busy. We're gonna we're gonna worship the Lord, but then He says, "Oh God, what's that next word there? My God." There's that relational peace. My God, I'm now in the presence. I've I, I've been brought in, and there's joy. No longer the tears. No longer the mourning. Now there is joy. And then He says, "Why?" Are you cast down? I think now he's like, okay. Why are you cast down, my soul, you stupid idiot? Are you allowed to say that? But like he's, he's like, he's talking to himself. Your soul, like, like, there's no reason to be cast down. Why are you turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. There's hope. There's an expectant future from a lost past in a troubled present. So take a moment, give him your future. What are you, what are you concerned about? Just, just give it to the Lord for just a moment here. God, I give you this about the future right now. Father, not only are you all powerful, but you're all knowing. So you know what the future holds and we don't. And so we give you the future. But we expect you to do good things. We expect you to lead us with your light and your truth to your presence. And that brings us hope and brings us joy. And we say thank you. Amen. One more section. Let's wrap it up with this. I want to show you something. Let me go back to verses four and five. Some of you put on your, uh, your math. You can count for me. Then I will go to the altar of what? God. There's one. Two, God, my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God, why are you cast down on my soul? 
Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. How many times in a couple verses? Six times. There's a lot of that direct conversation going on. So I just want to use that as a way to kind of wrap up today to remind you of just quick five truths about who God is from this passage. And just, just I want to make a note of it and, and go meditate on it. Go pray. Go respond to it. But I have a specific point I want to make by showing you these five. First one is this. God is our God. The emphasis there is on the our like there's a relational piece. He's a covenant God in a relationship with us, his people. But also, number two, he's, he's our priority. And what I mean by this is over and over again, at the end, he says, I'm gonna praise you. I'm gonna worship you. He's gotta be our priority in that way. You could put here, God is the object of our worship. God is our focus. God is, maybe you can think of a better word, but, but he's our priority as a result of him being our God. But that leads to also, he's our joy. God is our joy, God is our hope. We looked last week at Hebrews chapter 11, talking about faith as hope and things that we can't even see because we're trusting the Lord and all those who led the way with what faith was, faith and hope. And last one is God is our salvation. What I wanna point out is this. Um, what is your temptation to replace that first word with? If we, if we had a blank here and crossed out God, what might fit here in your life, your struggles, your temptation? Cross this out, what would you put there? Cross this out. What would you put there? Cross this out. What would you put there? Is it your success? Your family? Possessions? Intellect? I mean, on and on the list goes. And, and, and here's the bad, here's the most awkward part for me is all those things are gifts from God, but then we make them bigger than the creator. And that's exactly what Romans 1's all about. We're gonna look, like, look at in just a few weeks together. But would you take a moment, and um, God, instead of this, I need you to be my joy, salvation, hope, focus, priority, whatever it is there. Take a moment. And just finish with that, and then we're going to sing a song together. Worship team, you can come on up. Why don't you take a moment, just close out, and just, just respond to God's word now. And say, God, I need you to be my what? Finish that. Father, may we never take for granted um, the grace that we experience today in this generation, in this epoch of Scripture.
of we get to look back on the cross and see what Jesus Christ did for us. Generation after generation of believers and disciples who have followed you with hope because of salvation, with joy because of who you are. And we take a moment and finish our service today by saying thank you for Jesus being our hope. And I pray for my brothers and sisters and maybe someone in whom might not yet have made a faith commitment to follow Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, as her Lord and Savior. And I'm just asking that uh, um, this would be a special moment as we just remember and say thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray.